is that really in the Bible? You live in a world where everyone has an opinion about the Bible. Of what values are your beliefs if they are not clearly found in the pages of your Bible? The question we must ask is, are your opinions and beliefs really found in the Bible? Well, hello, I'm David Freeman with, is that really in the Bible? Question, what is the definition of a Christian? Do you know? Do you think you know? Do you think you're one? <laughs> you know, there are 450,000 churches that dot the landscape of America. There's 650,000 preachers in America. Sometimes I think way too many. Just recently I was giving blood and I met a, a preacher there. And he said, I'm Reverend so-and-so. I felt like slapping him upside the head. You know, Reverend. You know, Psalms 111 and verse 9 says... He sent redemption, redemption unto his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and reverend is his name. Yeah, God is reverend, but you know, people, people like to take that name upon themselves. You know, I am reverend so-and-so. They just love that. Well, anyway, getting off subject here, but 65% of American adults identify themselves as Christian in 2019. Now, this is down from 85% in 1990. So in 1990, 85% identified themselves as a Christian, but today in 2019 or 2020, whatever, 65% of Americans identify themselves as Christian. So the numbers are going down. You do realize that, don't you? Yes, our religion doesn't seem to be working that well as far as influencing other people. But the question is, and maybe one of the reasons is, we don't know what a definition of a Christian is. And again, I'm asking you, do you know what the definition of a Christian is? Uh, what, what is your definition of a Christian? Well, some people would say, well, it's a hypocrite. One, a person that says one thing and does something else. And of course, I, I sort of understand that. My mother used to tell me, look, if someone has to tell you they're a Christian, run like hell in the opposite direction. Because they shouldn't have to tell you that they're, they are a Christian. All right. So I, I think a lot of people would say, okay, well, a Christian is a good person. They're a nice person. They're kind. They're, they're, they're a good cook. They're always giving you something. They're always happy. They always got a smile on their face. You know, a lot of people would say, yep, that's a Christian right there. And, you know, and, and I had an aunt that fit into that category. You could not visit her without her giving you something to take home. And, and wonderful meals. I mean, this woman was a, a, a wonderful cook and just some of the best food out there. And she would always feed you. And then when you left, she had to give you something out of the garden to take home with you. Just, that was just her nature. And so, you know, yeah, I think by a lot of people's concept, that was a, she was a Christian woman. But a lot of people say, yeah, a good person, that's a Christian. And yet, Jesus said this in Matthew 19, verse 16. He said, and behold, one came and said to him, good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said to him, Jesus speaking now, why do you call me good? There is none good but one, and that is God. But if you will enter into life, keep the commandments. Yeah, why? I mean, this, this is fascinating. Jesus said, why do you call me good? 
course, why do you insist on being called reverend? You know, here Jesus is, you know, reverend, you know I'm Reverend Freeman. No, I'm not. Don't ever call me that. Um, you know, that's a name that, that is titled to God only. Okay. But Jesus comes along and says, why do you call me good? There's none good. I'm, you know, don't, don't call me good. There's one good, and that's the Father. He is to be revered. He is reverend. Okay, the Father. So you can call people good if you like. Yeah, you can. But that's your choice. All right. So the definition of a Christian. A lot of people would say, well, a Christian is a righteous person. Now, am I saying we shouldn't be righteous? Oh, don't get ahead of me. You know, but, but, but a lot of people would say, okay, a righteous person is a Christian. You know, he don't lie, he don't cheat, he don't steal, he don't cheat on his wife. He basically believes in keeping the commandments. Okay. Well, Isaiah 64 and verse 6 says this. But we are all as an unclean thing, and our righteousness are as filthy rags. Yeah, get that. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. And we are all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquity, that is our sins, like the wind, have taken us away. Now, am I saying that we should not be righteous? Oh, no. no I'm not saying that. I'm just saying there are no brownie points for doing the right thing. There are no, you get no brownie points for keeping the law of God. Jesus put it this way in Luke 17 and verse 10. He says, likewise you, when you shall have done all these things which are commanded you, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. So after you've kept all the Ten Commandments, you say, you know, we are unprofitable. You haven't earned a thing. It is our duty. You see, our righteousness in doing the right thing is our duty. It's simply given to us. The law is given to us to make our lives work. Okay? So it's your duty. You want a society that works? Keep the commandments. You want a society that does not work? Like the one we live in now? Well, then, the reason our society doesn't work is because people are not keeping the Ten Commandments. The, people, the reason people lie to you is, is why? The reason people uh, cheat on one another in adultery, what is, why is that? The reason people steal, okay, what, what are they doing? What are they not doing? They're not keeping the Ten Commandments, okay? Why do people work themselves to death and insist they must work seven days a week? Because they're not willing to keep the commandments. They're not willing to keep the fourth commandment that says, six days shall you labor, but the seventh is my Sabbath. In it you shall do no work. You rest. You stop. How hard is this? You, you know, you would think. It's like, take a break. Take a vacation. Take a day off. You know, the children of Israel made bricks for seven days a week, and they didn't complain about when God reinstituted his Sabbath. They didn't complain to take, a, take the Sabbath off. They didn't complain. But we complain. We think we've got to work all the time. And I'm telling you, you can make more money if you honor God than if you try to work seven days a week. This I know from experience. So, okay, anyway, so what am I saying? Well, the definition of Christian is not righteousness uh, because doing the right thing is just for the purpose of making your own life work, okay? So what is the definition of a Christian? Well, I think a lot of people would say, well, it's a person that does a lot of good works. Soup kitchens, uh, helping the poor, homeless, giving the homeless a place to stay, missionary work, uh, outreach ministry, children's ministry, always working and serving at the church. Now, am I saying we shouldn't do these things? No. No, they're good things to do. But 
you know, just doing a lot of good works. Let's take a look at this one. Matthew 7 and verse 22, words of Jesus. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? That's inspired preaching right there. I tell you, he went up, he did not go. You know, that's inspired preaching right there. Okay. All right. And in your name have cast out devils. And in your name have done many wonderful works. We're not just talking about good works. We're talking about wonderful works. Okay. And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart, you that work iniquity. And the word iniquity just means a no law the theology. It's a lawless theology. They, they're doing all these good works. And I'm not saying the good works are bad. I'm just saying along with their good works, they have a no law theology. Law's been abolished, been nailed to the cross. It's been fulfilled. It's been done away with. We don't have to do any of that stuff. You know, we don't have to keep the law. Okay, a lawless theology and Christ is going to say, I don't know you. You've done wonderful works, but I don't know you. Yeah, I don't know you. So good works, yes, wonderful works is still not the definition of a Christian. Am I saying that we should not do wonderful works? No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, you know, it's not the definition of a Christian. All right, a lot of people would say, well, okay, a Christian is a person that confesses Jesus with his mouth. Whosoever shall confess with the mouth. You know, you heard that drummed into the ground so many times as if that's the only thing I got to do. Just say, I love you, Jesus, and that's it. Yeah, okay. All right, a lot of people would say, just confess Jesus with your mouth. That's a real Christian right there. Well, Luke 6 and verse 46, Jesus said this, Why call you me, Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? You know, you mean it's possible for people to just to talk about, oh, how much I love the Lord. Oh, I just love Jesus. And that same person will not do a single thing that Christ says to do. Is that possible? You better believe it's possible. It's mainstream churchianity. Put that in your pipe and smoke it, okay? So what is the definition of a Christian? Well, some people would say, well, it's a person who believes and goes to church and accepts Christ as their Savior and is baptized. Now, there's a definition of a Christian. Now, am I saying that we shouldn't do this? Am I saying that we should not believe and that we should not go to church and we should not accept Christ as our personal Savior and we should not be baptized? No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, well, let's, hey, let's take a look at it. Let's look at a man, his name is Simon. And there was a Acts, let's see, this is Acts 8 and verse 9. And there was a certain man called Simon, which before time in the same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was some great one. So here was a man, a dirty, rotten sinner. He bewitched the people, he deceived the people, but he looked at himself as some great one. Yeah, a lot of religious leaders fit into that category as the great one. I'm Reverend so-and-so. <laughs> yes, <laughs> look at me. I'm 110 pounds overweight, but look at me. All right, uh, Acts 8 and verse 12. But when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Then, now get this, then Simon himself, also believed also and when he was baptized he continued with Philip and wondering the wondering wondered beholding the miracles and signs which were done 
Now get this. Here's a man, Simon. He goes to a church revival. He's, he's a sinner. Okay, a lot of sinners go to those things. All right. He knows what he is, but he wants to be a great one. Okay, he wants to be great. But he believes. He accepts Christ as a personal Savior. He goes down into the waters of baptism. He, he does everything right. But there's a fly in the ointment. Here it is, Acts 8 and verse 18. And when Simon saw that through the laying on the apostle of the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me also this power that on whomsoever I lay my hands he may receive the Spirit of God. Verse 20, but Peter said to him, your money perishes with you because you have thought that the gift of God, that is the gift of God giving you his spirit, may be purchased with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right in the sight of God. This is fascinating. And you know, what it tells us is this. You can do all these things and still not be a Christian by God's standard. Now, this ought to make us think. This ought to stop us dead in our tracks and say, are we missing something? With all of our churchianity, with all of our 450,000 churches, with all of our 650,000 preachers, with all of our religiousosity and church going and all just going backstrokes through religion and, and mainstream churchianity and all the things that we do to busy ourselves, and this person, Simon was still, he, he, he did all the right things. He still wasn't right. Now, I'm going to tell you the definition of a Christian by God's standard. Okay? Hold on to your seats. Chances are you never heard this before. Romans 8 and verse 9. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if so be that the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Okay. If so be that the Spirit of God dwells in you. If. The biggest two-letter word in the English language. If. The Spirit of God dwells in you. If. If. So how do I receive the Spirit? How do you receive the Spirit of God? Well, hey, it's not by being a good person. It's not by being righteous. It's not by a lot of good works. It's not by confessing Jesus with your mouth. It's not by believing. It's not by going to church. It's not by accepting Christ as your personal Savior and being baptized. Well, then what is it? What is it? Well, I want to tell you what it is and offer. I want you to offer. I want you to order this right here. Number one, should you be baptized? A publication right here. Should you be baptized? And how to receive the Spirit of God. Do you know how to receive the Spirit of God? It is a process for receive, this is two Bible studies that will lead you through the scriptures and will tell you, number one, should you be baptized and should and how to receive the Spirit of God. I cannot think of any more critical information that I offer than this, well, actually three pieces of, of literature here. Two pieces of literature, Bible studies, and this is a uh, baptism counseling what you should have known before being baptized. This is a, a double audio CD, two audio CDs that go through valuable information about what you should have known before being baptized. Because a lot of people go through the motion, just like Simon did. He went through the motion, and all the motion he went through was right. I'm not saying that it was wrong. I'm saying it was correct. But he still 
didn't receive the Spirit of God. And you need to know how to receive the Holy Spirit of God because it is the biggest and most important decision you will make in your life on how to receive the Spirit of God. Now, there's two deadly mistakes that people make. Number one, a lot of people think they're born with the Spirit of God. Nothing can be further. No, you are born with the Spirit in man. There is a Spirit in man that makes you, you, makes you unique, unique and different. Okay. The Spirit of God is something that, that through a process, and you've got to know how to do it, can unite with your spirit and make you complete. But you're born with one spirit, the spirit in man. What you need is to make you whole, to make you complete, to make your life work is the spirit of God. And that's why you need that information. Now, so, so the dead, one deadly mistake is, well, I'm born with the spirit of God. Okay, no, no, you're not. All right, the second deadly mistake is because I'm religious or I got a desire to go to church and touch bases with the Lord. I must have the Holy Spirit. No, there is a way to receive the Spirit of God, and that's what this offer is all about. Order this. It's free. I'm not going to sell your name to a mailing list. I'm not going to beg you for money. I'm not. The good thing about this ministry is this. My ministry is this. When you order something, I just give you what you order. And I, I don't even have a follow-up letter because I'm too busy. I don't have time to do that. I should, but I don't. Okay, so you just get the material. And you decide for yourself whether it's, it, it's for you or not. And you don't have to leave your brains at the door when you, when, you, when you read this. You can go in the privacy of your own home, study this, pray about it, think about it, and answer. It'll be between the answer you will be between you and God as you study this. Valuable information. Okay. Acts 5 and verse 32, something about receiving the Spirit of God that you need to understand. And we are his witnesses of these things. And so also is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to them that obey him. So God gives his Spirit to those who obey him. Or I should say, those who are willing to obey him. Because God looks at the heart, you see. You see, Simon went through all the right steps, but his heart was not right. His motives were not right. God looks at the heart. He looks at your motives. And if your motives are wrong, and so many people, their, their motives are wrong. You know, I'm going to get myself saved. I'm going to make my one-time decision so, so I can, before I get too old and ugly and fossilized, you know, I'm going to get my heart to the Lord and get myself. Okay, that, that's really not the right motive, you see. God looks at the heart. You see, a heart that will not obey is a heart that cannot be molded and shaped by God. You are the clay. God is the potter. And so a heart that will not obey cannot be molded and shaped. So what does God do? He just tosses it aside. Okay, He doesn't use you. I didn't say you couldn't be religious. I didn't say you couldn't go to church six days a week and twice on Sunday. I'm just saying God's not using you. That's all I'm saying. A heart that will not obey that heart cannot be molded and shaped by God. God never gives his spirit to a disobedient heart. I'm not saying you've got to be perfect. I'm not saying you've got to obey everything. I'm, not, I'm saying you've got to be willing. Big difference between perfect and willing. You have to be willing. You have to say with brutal honesty, God, I really don't want to do that. But I see that you're right and I'm willing. Man, that's powerful. If you can practice that kind of brutal honesty, you know, Lord, I really don't want to do that. 
I'm really not crazy about giving up my sin, but I see that it's right, and I see that you're right, and I'm willing. That's all you got to do. Willing. Willing, okay? You know, when a person says to God, well, God, I know I shouldn't be doing this, but I'm not willing to give it up. I'm not willing to give up my anger, my pornography, my lust, whatever it may be. So I'm going to believe a lie. I'm going to choose a church, and they are on every street corner. I'm going to choose a church that says the law's been abolished. R repentance is not really, repentance is just a one-time decision, and, and it's been nailed to the cross, and you don't have to do anything. I'm, I'm going to believe in a church that has a lawless theology. And I'm telling you, they're on every street corner. Just raise your hand, give your heart to the Lord, and don't think about it. Yeah, they're on every street corner. You know, and, and God comes along and says, look, you can be religious. You can go to church six days a week and twice on Sunday, but I'm not going to give you my spirit. I'm not going to give you my spirit until you're willing, until you have a willing heart to do what I say to do. Until then, we're not going to talk. But when you're ready to talk, come back. When your heart is right, come back to me and we'll talk. What does it take to receive the spirit of God? Well, Matthew 22 and verse 14 says, For many are called, but few are chosen. You have to be called and chosen to a life of repentance. I didn't say called to go to church. I didn't say endless religious activity. I'm talking about you're, you're called to become a different person. You have to be called by God. I'm telling you, if you listen to this program on a regular basis, if you're even willing because a lot are not. <laughs> if you're even willing to listen to this program, consider the fact that God may be calling you. Consider that. Order the material, by the way. Second Peter three and verse. Second uh, Peter one and verse three. According as His divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and goodness, through the knowledge of Him that has called us to glory and virtue, you've been called to glory which is a powerful concept. Continuing on in verse 4, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these things you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. How do we partake? You see, that's what your calling is all about, to be a partaker of the divine nature. But how does that occur? Well, it only occurs by receiving the Spirit of God. And that is the only, by receiving, by your spirit, the spirit in man, you're incomplete the way you are now, receiving the Spirit of God, which makes you whole, complete. You begin the process of escaping the corruption that is in the world through lust. And it is a process. And that's a process. And it can be a pro painful process. But that, that begins the process when you receive the Spirit of God. So what is the definition of a Christian? Well, it's a person that's been called to be partakers of that divine nature of God. And you will never be the same once God gives you His Spirit. You are a Christian if and again, the biggest two-letter word in the English language, if the Spirit of God dwells in you. Again, I want to remind you to order this material, baptism counseling, what you should have known before being baptized, because so many people have, you know, they, they made a first step, I admit. They have made a first step of either 
maybe uh, giving their heart to the Lord, raising their hand, inviting Jesus into their heart, they've made a first step, and that's good. But it goes much deeper about what God was expecting from you when you made that step. And yeah, it can be tough to handle, but this little, uh, these two audio CDs will go through questions about this very subject, what you should have known before being baptized, and how to receive the Spirit of God, and should you be baptized. Order this material, I'll send it to you free of charge, because in the end, you know, this life, it will be over before you know it. And in the end, what's important? is whether you have the Spirit of God or not. You know, don't make the mistakes that so many people make and thinking, well, I got it because I have a desire to be religious. And, you know, there is a way to receive that Spirit. And this, these, this, this offer tells you, it's a Bible study that tells you the way to receive the Spirit of God. And I'm telling you, you're not gonna find this in just every church out there. In fact, you're gonna find it in very few churches out there the way to receive the Spirit of God. I've already touched on something that you've never heard before, and that is you gotta be willing to do what God says. You're not gonna hear that in church. You're gonna hear some kind of nonsense about, well, just, just, just believe, just receive and believe. Just, just give, it, give your heart to the Lord, and there's nothing you must do, and then you're gonna be taught a no-law theology that the law's been abolished, been nailed to the cross, been done away with. And, and, you know, and, and listen, if the law's been abolished, why do you even need to be religious? There's nothing you, you can do that's wrong if the law's been abolished. There is no sin if the law's been abolished. You don't even need a savior if the law's been done away with or nailed to the cross or whatever. So order this material. I'll send it to you free of charge. And uh, remember, Spirit of God, you need the Spirit of God because you've been empty the biggest part of your life and you are incomplete and it's time that you be made complete whole in the name of Jesus. I'm David Freeman and that's what's really in your Bible. Many people spend their whole life repeating the same old mistakes. What does it take to have good discernment and good judgment? It takes having the Spirit of God. But what many people overlook is, the Spirit of God is not something that you are born with. Man was created incomplete, missing that spiritual element that would make him complete. The Bible clearly lays out the way to receive the Spirit of God. Learn the step-by-step -step process for receiving the Spirit of God. Order your free copy of Why You Need the Holy Spirit. Order by writing to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. Also, visit us on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.org.